Hello, you guys. Welcome to the Rolling in the Deep podcast. I am Adele, owner of Babies on Broadway, and today we have a guest here, and I'm going to let her introduce herself. Hello, my name is Liz Fiddler, and I have known Adele for a while now. And actually, I introduced her to Abby, producer of this podcast, because I have my own podcast. Plural. Plural. Podcasts. <laughs> Technically, I have three. Um, so I have the Sunny Mary Meadow podcast, which is, I have a flower farm outside of St. Cloud, Minnesota, and I teach people how to grow and sell flowers with my cut flower farm. And so I'm a flower farmer, podcast host, and then we have a premium where there's like bonus episodes with that, that people subscribe to. And then we actually just released my Bloom and Grow podcast is coming out. We used to do little bonus episodes within the Sunny Mary Metal podcast called Bloom and Grow. And we've reached a point where we decided that Bloom and Grow needs to be its own podcast. And so that's coming out. And I have a book that I've written called When Flowers Bloom. It's a children's book. And in the works is the adult version of the book. It's taken a lot longer than I thought it would to write, but so yeah, I'm an author, a flower farmer. Oh, and I'm a nurse practitioner. Um, yeah, so really she's just like yeah. a badass businesswoman is yeah. what we're getting at here. So I still work one day a week as a nurse practitioner, <laughs> you know, keep my skills up. But uh, yeah. yeah, that's, and I guess uh, the reason why I fit Adele's resume to be on this podcast, as we're going to talk about, is I am a widow. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. That's not okay, but it's it's part of me. It's part of my identity, and I'm... I'm proud of, you know, my marriage to my late husband and I'm going to be married again soon. And yes, congratulations. And I'm a mom. You are a mom. Very important criteria. And I, I will say like, you know, when people list whatever order they do things, like Mm -hmm. there's nothing different about what they do, but I, I feel like one thing that has helped me through this is like, I'm a mom. I know I'm a good mom, but that's not my only identity. Yeah. Makes doesn't sense. define you. Yeah. Like so. a mom is part of your life, but it doesn't define like everything about who you are, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're a mom no matter what. Yep. We had humans. Yep. <laughs> and yep. we raised them. Yes. Mine are like, I got one that's like dang near man. Two years left with him. I talk about this sometimes. It freaks me out. I'm unwell. Everyone knows I'm unwell about it. But it is a beautiful process watching them grow up to be men too, or women, whatever you you may have. In my case, I have boys, but It's also scary because the world is big and scary out there as well. So today our podcast is going to hit on something a little bit different. And, you know, I think we're going to start by kind of giving a short synopsis of kind of how I met Liz in a long roundabout way. We're going to talk about the chair and just a little bit about how when I started Babies on Broadway, I had this vision for, I've always, my tagline has always been, it's more than a store. I didn't necessarily know what that meant the day I opened Babies on Broadway. In fact, people who know like the really big backstory of it is I named Babies on Broadway before I had a building on Broadway. Like, this is weird. I was like, I don't know. I just want a store and it's going to be Babies on Broadway. And I wanted it with a YS, which really hurts people's brains. Someone just left me a review the other day and they said that my Y hurts their brain. They want IES because it's plural and I'm not plural. I'm possessive and that's fine. (laughs) Like, it's YS. Like, leave me alone on my review, okay? It was a five-star review, but (laughs) she said I hurt her brain. So I wanted that has 
like more than a store. And that is truly what I wanted because I was struggling in a place of being a mom and like trying actually to not have it define me. Like I had a child, it was hard, it was lonely, but I wanted to just like live my life with my child and like continue it as normally as possible. And at the time when I had Remington, I was on the young side and I was also very career driven. I worked as a real estate closer None of my other coworkers had kids. Like there was no understanding for like even what I was going through half the time as a zombie mom. And I just knew that there had to be like more support, a way to make life easier, which somewhat came down to products and, you know, wasting a lot of money on things that didn't work for me. And I just wanted to provide solutions. So that's kind of how I got started in it. Early on into this industry, I found myself facing things that I had never thought about. And one of the things I just shared with Liz on, we did a little episode of her podcast that I'll be a guest on is, I mean, within a very early time of opening my store, I actually attended a baby funeral. I had never been to one before. It was one of my first large customers. My first registry, I think I ever walked through and did with someone and her mom actually bought the whole registry. I almost fell off my chair. It was like my first big sale and this baby didn't make it. And, you know, I like had a very like special spot in my heart for this mom and and just everything about it. And so it was really an early on realization to me that along with all the good and the beautiful parts of the journey of getting to parenthood, like what a true miracle it is actually to grow a baby, to bring one to fruition and to, you know, live a long life, right? And so we've seen a lot of like really painful things and had some, you know, witness to some really painful experiences. That being said, what we kind of want to talk about a little bit today too is like a way that that can be navigated in, you know, there's there's no right answer to any of it and there's never any words that are the correct words, but maybe in just like the most respectful manner possible. And so let's talk about how I met Liz. So I will start with the fact that another customer that I had of mine was widowed really early on in my journey. And I felt like a very kindred connection to her husband who passed. He was just like intrigued by my business, to be quite honest with you. He would negotiate with me. He would talk shop with me. He loved the better quality products. We could compare it to farming. Like you're comparing baby products to farming products, but like he got it, you know, and there was something that gave me joy with that. And it gave him joy with that. And when that world fell apart, I just felt like, like I was just, I I don't know what the words are, but just I, I felt it in my soul. And um, I remember I had broken my ankle and waited outside on this scooter on a lot of heavy opiates that I just knew I had to at least go through that line and, and you know, say absolutely nothing at all because I had nothing to say, but just like, just give her a moment of like, hey, like I just need you to know that like, I really give a shit about this and and that this really sucks. And that's about, that's about all I, I could give to that. And, you know, I, I said, I remember they actually came into my sh- store shortly afterwards and, and sat in the chair <laughs> that they had bought. And so full circle, Liz had had Vidalia and I'll let you tell the story. Yeah. So pretty soon that same sample chair was delivered to my nursery because I... <laughs> Suddenly needed it. I don't know. <laughs> um, so we had my daughter and I was in, I was so busy in nurse practitioner school. Like I had the worst semester. Um, I was due with her in December. Like it was, it was a terrible thing. Actually, I ended up having to go through like a title nine 
rep at the school because the professor I had in August, I was like, hey, I'm actually due December 11th. I see that the final is an in-person final because it was our health assessment class. And I'm like, you know, I'm due the 11th. I live four hours away. It's August. Can we come up with a plan now for what that's going to look like? You know, can we plan on maybe we accelerate my program of study somehow so that I can take the test two weeks early? Or are we going to like, can I come back just after the new year and do it? And she goes, nope, the test is December 7th and you're either here or you're not. And that's illegal. <laughs> like, and I was like, well, okay. So then that was like the first day of that semester. I'd never met her. And then a little bit later, she, I mean, I kept just trying to like come up with ideas. And then she's like, well, you know, maybe you should just withdraw from the class. The withdrawal period's not too bad. And, you know, when you don't have so much going on and like. So much going on. Yeah. Like growing a human. Like growing a human. Okay. And I was like, I, I'm not asking for it. Like it was. And to make matters worse, like I didn't do so great on the first test. So now like I could miss like six questions out of like 200 in the entire class for like every single test. And I had a really hard program and I was like, I'm going to do it. And I, I did it. Like I passed by. Woo. Like, and I, I shouldn't make it seem like I almost failed on a nurse practitioner school. I know what I'm doing. It was just a really yeah. challenging test. And I ended up my OB... Yeah, so then there is a law, Title IX, that you cannot tell someone to change their plan of study because of a pregnancy or a health condition yeah. or whatever. And, like, she literally told me to drop out because of my it's pregnancy. Like, and so, anyway, we had to, like, have this whole thing, and it was just super stressful. And I ended up having Vidalia on the day of the test. The seventh. Yes. But I had a note saying, like, I don't want her to travel more than a couple hours from home. Oh, here's another kicker of it all. I said, well my insurance, like South Dakota, Sioux Falls is like out of coverage. And I'm like, and she, go, she goes, well, I mean, if you emergently go into labor, they can't deny you care. And I'm like, well, but if they know that I was here for a test and it was planned and she goes, oh, just lie. I'm like, so commit insurance fraud. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't understand what you're, and she just had no interest in like supporting anyway. So it was terrible. And anyway, she doesn't work for that school anymore. We'll put it that way. Not. <laughs> um, but uh, so that was stressful and it was really hard. But so I did not prepare. I didn't even have a registry. Like it was a stressful pregnancy. And so and then there were a lot of like, yeah, it was just it was terrible. And so then, you know, we got Vitalia home and I never thought about like a nursery chair or anything like yeah. that. Like, why, why would I think of that? And I had during labor, I... Well, I remember my OB saying, slow down on your pushing or you're going to tear to high heavens. And I don't know what high heavens is, but... It ain't good. I got close and it hurt. It's not good. Uh, so anyway, the chair I had at home was not helping. And, you know, all is all is well in in whatever you call that land. But, you know, <laughs> all is well. But it was, it was not well when I first got home. And I was trying to sit in this chair and breastfeed. And it's a brand new baby. And I'm stressed. And she was jaundiced. So she's on a billy bed. And we're having to supplement with formula. And I'm crying. And I, I still hadn't taken my test. I had to take my test like the first mm. week after January. And I had to get like, I think I could miss two questions on it out of 50 in order to like continue with my program and like start clinicals and 
So it was just this, like, I, no one should be under that amount of stress. Um, Josh was like, what can I do to help? And I'm like, I need, I need the chair that Nikki has. And he's like, I, what, what, I need more information. I'm like, I don't know, Little Falls. And he's like, okay. And he took care of it. He got a hold of you. And he did. A couple hours later, we had a loaner chair delivered to our house and a new one was ordered. And yeah, I love the chair. Still have it, obviously. And we sit in it every night to read books. Yeah. So then we got to fast forward to 2020. 20. Yep. So then Josh and I were trying to get pregnant again, just taking longer than it was supposed to. I cut in front of every single line possible for fertility treatments. You're supposed to only have, you know, certain labs every day and being a nurse practitioner and knowing a lot of people, I was on literally day two of my period. And I knew that. And I was like, all right, I need someone to order. I need FSH. I need like all these hormones because if I didn't get them that day, I was going to have to wait a whole other month. I had already had what they call a FEMVU where they like basically kind of rotor rooter and shoot some stuff up your fallopian tubes and open you up and that diagnostic test. And so I was able to essentially like not delay any time, which we could have waited another month. We could have, I mean, there was no reason for this rush. There was no reason I had to like, you know, piss off my OB and like cut to the front of the line other than I was impatient and I wanted a baby. And yeah. I had been waiting, you know, and it was really frustrating during COVID to like sit there in this class that was like sperm meets the egg and don't sit in a hot tub if you're trying to get pregnant and like just all this like basic anatomy and I'm like oh my god what am I doing here what am I doing here like why do I have to do this like I mean I have an endocrinologist that said like I have a short ovulation like yeah I just need some meds like why can I not do that nope it's policy you got to do this so anyway we were doing um fertility treatments and I'd have to look at it I think it was December third or fourth, whatever day it was, I gave myself an injection of HCG hormone to stimulate ovulation, release my eggs. And they said, you know, once you give yourself that injection, you can't take a pregnancy test for 12 days or it would be a false positive because it's the pregnancy hormone HCG. So they call it the two week wait. And it's, it's a way whole different two week wait when you're doing fertility treatments. But in that wait, Vidalia had her third birthday and Josh died of a heart attack, and the day after his funeral, we took the pregnancy test, and I was pregnant. Well, that's a lot. That is a lot. Yeah. That is a lot. So then that was in December of 2020. So yeah, I think it was like the 15th I found out I was pregnant and kept going in every couple days for blood tests. Again, abusing abusing the system. I never did anything illegal. Like I'm not going to get my license <laughs> taken away, but I had friends that just kept ordering it yeah. and my OB was allowing it because it's, you know, we just kept wanting to make sure that it was right. growing. And because I'm like, okay, like focus on one day at a time. Is this pregnancy viable? Am I going to yeah. have a miscarriage? Like what's going on? And You're finally, stress yeah, too, finally right? after a while, and then I, we had an ultrasound, but it was standard to do an ultrasound after you know, when you're doing yep. the protocol I was doing, that standard protocol to do it because it's a high risk for it to be in a fallopian tube, like an ectopic pregnancy or whatever, but make sure there's not multiples, that type of thing. Wouldn't that have been a kicker? That would have been a kicker. Actually, one of my best friends told her husband, who was Josh's best friend, like she came with me for the ultrasound and like held my hand and she got home and she told John that it was twins. And he was like, are you 
laugh at it. And she's like, oh, I'm kidding. I'm bad oh, joke. Bad joke. Bad joke. Too bad. soon. Too soon. <laughs> like, she, anyway. Anyway. Um, yeah. So I finally, my OB was like, hey, Liz, like, you are special, but you're not that special. You're not high risk. We can't keep doing this. This isn't. Yeah. We can no longer, you know, your insurance isn't going to pay for this. Yeah. Blood test every. I think at that point we were like every three or four days yeah. and ultrasounds every week. And she's like, no, it's, it's time. And I'm like, I don't care. I'll pay for it. I'll buy it. And she's like, no, <laughs> I'll see you tomorrow. No. <laughs> and so we stopped that and I met with perinatology and we did a bunch of like high risk ultrasounds and stuff. And Vidalia had an EKG and we did all these things and they were like, you know what? Cause the autopsy wasn't back because it was COVID and it took us four months to get the death certificate. We knew it was a hot, well, we didn't know. We thought it was a heart attack. Sure. Because he was on the treadmill. He was on the foot of the treadmill at his lunch break. But um, finally we found out, yep, it was a heart attack and there was no blockage or anything. So it's not like it was an MI with like blockage. It was heart skipped a beat and one in a million just stopped beating. Wow. So then I was approached with, I was so... Obviously, I, I wanted another baby. Obviously, that's what we were doing. But I knew, you know, when we were waiting to find out, like, am I pregnant? Am I not? I was so, I don't know. I, at peace isn't the right word because I was not at peace. But I was like, whatever is supposed to be, it will be. Like, if I'm not pregnant or if I am, like, of course, I wanted to be deep down. Right. But there were pros and cons to both. Right. I didn't sign up for this. Right. Yeah. And then, of course, like when I found out I was pregnant, of course, I was happy. But then I was like, oh, well, I'll probably have a miscarriage or, you know, it took a while to really like accept accept that I was actually having a baby. I bet. Mm -hmm. I remember um, about 11 weeks. We still hadn't told my dad. Other people were starting to find out, but we still hadn't told my dad because I love my dad, but my dad would tell everybody. And we all knew that. And so we, I just told my mom, she's like, well, when, because I was going to be going back to work because I was able to take off 12 weeks because of FMLA. And I had a medical diagnosis of grief reaction. And so I took 12 weeks off, basically short-term disability. And she's like, when are you going to start telling people? And I was like, well, I'm just going to wear baggy shirts and nobody needs to know. And she's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, you know, like on Grey's Anatomy, Meredith Grey, when Derek died and she found out she was pregnant and she just disappeared for a year. Like I'm Meredith. Yeah, like it's fine. And she was, okay. And then one of my best friends, who's a physician, she pointed out the very obvious. She's like, okay, Liz, you and I both know that a pregnancy is more like 10 months, but most people think it's nine months. Yeah. And if they find out that you, you know, he died early December but like maybe they'll oh. think instead of around Christmas maybe they'll be like he died at Thanksgiving oh who would have thought that? and then like oh wait a minute she's not due until she's like what if you go a week over and you have a baby in September oh, no. and like what will people think you know she's like it's up to you but like do you really want those rumors well that's you a know? terrible thought to have to have yeah and so then I was not ready I didn't want to do this but I put it on Facebook the pregnancy announcement because I was like you know I just hated the idea of people getting like gossip pleasure. Like, did you hear she's pregnant? Yeah. Like, I just want to spoil it for everybody. Well, like, you can control your own narrative. Mm -hmm, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so I posted a picture of me and Vi holding the ultrasound and yeah. then I left my house. 
yeah. for two days. That's and when I came back, there were a lot of presents and gifts on my porch, and people tried to stop by, and I was gone. I went down to the cities and stayed with a friend. And I feel like that was smart. Yeah, so we were just gone. So if you stop by, I'm, I'm sure you meant well, and that's fine. And yeah. But I was not ready to see anyone. Yeah. So talking about that, like, I think we said this before, it is a club no one wants to belong to, and nor would you ever think about it going into life when you're planning your family or in those moments of like that early on. And for you, you know, when you were pregnant with Vidalia, it was crazy and you were in, you know, doing all these things and like it's, it's fast motion, right? A lot of the couples that we work with, a lot of times it's this journey maybe of like joy and anticipation and all of these things. And then it's struck with this like crazy twist Mm -hmm. to it all. And I guess just like, like how in your mind, from your perspective, like the perspective of someone going through it, like what were things to you that were helpful? What were things that might be just some things that stuck out that we obviously know people are not really out there with ill intentions, right? But like, you just don't know how to handle the waters of encountering maybe someone who's going through something like this. What is something that you could share that that might just stick with someone that's like, what are some ways that you can navigate this if you come across this? I'm approaching three years since he passed away. So December 9th will be three years since he passed away. And I, I mean, just for example, I've been writing my story. It's a memoir. It's going to come out even if I have to self-publish it. But I wrote a lot of it probably six months to a year after he passed away. And then I kind of just tabled it for a while. And actually, I'm, I'm glad I did it that way because some of the chapters, I'm not changing them. I'm not deleting it. I'm not doing anything, but I'm actually adding like, hey, I feel differently now. Mm-hmm. And that's what sucks is it's not that uncommon. There's a whole widow, there's a pregnant widow Facebook group that I'm part of um, because it's it, it happens. And so, you know, I... It's so hard because obviously, you know, you're newly going through it. Although I have another friend who she did IVF after her husband died. She chose to get sure. pregnant and they that was their plan. In those moments, you're not quite ready to deal with it or answer it. One thing that I still struggle with, and I, I know that people mean well, and this is actually one part of the book. I mean, it is this like exchange sort of like it, the timing of it, like he died. Davy was an embryo swimming around, not attached to me yet. And she existed, but I wasn't pregnant technically, you know? And so then, you know, when people, oh, this exchange and I would get so like, what do you mean? Like, I don't, and, and I still mean that, like, I do not want Davy growing up thinking that, you know, if she's ever, why did daddy die? Well, so you could be born. You know, like, because that's what people... People say that? Well, they say, like, oh, you know, like... this That's what you they, mean by the exchange. I was happens like, what do you for mean? a reason, like, a life oh. for a life. Oh, no. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You know what? My brain like, couldn't even go there. Yeah. Like, when you were talking about an exchange, I was like, exchanging what? Yeah. No, people yeah, say people that. People say that. They're like, you know, like... Oh. You know, like every time someone's born, someone no, dies. No, no, and I'm no, like, no, because no, 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 no. our country or our world is 8 billion people. So There's it's growing. Keeping, yeah, it's growing. Not the, that many people die. It doesn't math. Not even grow math. Yeah. Um, but 
you know, it, it just, you know, and now like I'm engaged and he's, you know, their daddy on earth and they have a daddy in heaven. And, you know, it just, I think the most helpful things that, you know, people did with the pregnancy were just honestly like, I need help. Like, you're tired. Come in and grab some dishes, man. Like, <laughs> like yeah. do a Coburn's delivery. Like, a little DoorDash. Get me some groceries. Get me some, just grab a bucket and clean my shower. <laughs> like, I don't know. I just, it's like, you know, the people that would come over and they'd want to like have coffee and I'm. You don't want to talk you about know, it. I'm like, I don't want to. Like, I don't have, does it look like I have time to make you feel better? You want to sip and have coffee and feel better? Like, look at this. Like, I remember someone coming over and, you know, I can think of like four friends. It's none of you that would be listening. Put it that way. (laughs) (laughs) Or they are. Kema, it wasn't you. Angie, it wasn't you. Like, whatever. But I remember like someone coming over and like there was just, I bet there were 40 unopened letters sitting on my counter and I'm just staring at them. I'm like, can you just leave so I can open my mail? (laughs) Like I have shit to do. Like, I don't know. One thing that my daycare did that was so generous as a mom. So obviously, you know, I I wanted to cling to Vidalia. I wanted to have her close. She turned three. So she was a COVID baby. Yeah. Not a COVID baby, but a COVID kid. Yeah. Whatever, whatever that means. But so she was two years and I think she was like 16 months when COVID hit, something like that. She was just starting to like have good restaurant manners. We could go out in public. We could go to the grocery store. And she was finally like, if we said, no, we can't get that cereal. She was like, okay. She wasn't screaming. Like, yeah, that's, that's a very important age Mm -hmm. developmentally. Mm -hmm. Like she could kind of sit still in church and she could kind of like you know, making progress. It's kind of a, cues. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a turning point. And then COVID hit and then she didn't go anywhere except for daycare. And, you know, in Minnesota, you weren't even supposed to bring a second person into the grocery store. It was like one person only. And That's right. I forgot about yeah. that. And so like she didn't <laughs> set foot in a store. Like I remember I was going to run to whatever store and like they were like, she can't come in here. I'm like, what do you want me to do? Leave her in the car? Like We broke all the rules. Yeah, I know. But like they were just very, you know, and I was wearing masks and we were in yeah. school and like she was wearing a mask. And so we just kept her home. Like we didn't bring her anywhere. And then all of a sudden my family's staying with us. My sister quit her job and moved in. I mean, that kid from December 9th until definitely New Year's, I mean, the number of presents because it was her birthday on the 7th. Right. So actually December 7th on actually no December 5th. Cause that was, what is that? Uh, who's the, who's the saint with the fruit and the, I uh, had never heard of it. St. Nick's. Nick's. St. Nick's. Yeah. yeah Saint I had Nick's never, I, I didn't grow up in central Minnesota, so I didn't hear this of it. This is a thing. Yeah. So this is a thing. Like, I didn't know either. You put like fruit and yes, shoes. Yes, you do. I mm-hmm. don't know. You put fruit inside apples inside of shoes. Real I big where you live. I don't know. Yeah. And so that was on the 5th. And so it was all this like, these things and like I mean she had chicken strips and french fries every meal yeah. she had you know 40 things of fruit snacks she watched tv whenever she wanted yeah. and I knew I was going to be off work for three months but it was all of a sudden like you know I there were things to do though like I had stuff to do when someone dies and this is a whole episode on my podcast but 
you have a lot of errands to run. You have a lot of death certificates to deliver. Everything takes a really long time. It's physically and emotionally just draining. Like I needed childcare, but you know, I felt kind of bad, like paying at the center. And so all the families like rallied together and put money on my account. And so I was able to keep sending her. Well, first they didn't charge me at all that month of December when I didn't bring her. And then when I did start bringing her, I brought her three days a week the whole time that I was still on leave yeah. and I didn't have to pay for it at all because the families huge. brought it together. And it like, you know, I think that they, they probably felt like they were contributing in a monetary way, which yes, they absolutely were. Cause heads up, like even if you have life insurance, even if whatever, like you can't do any of that until you have a death certificate. And I didn't have that for almost four months. Right. And so like, just had to live off of whatever I had in the savings account. And yeah. then people gave me money. Like yeah. it was, Thank- it runs out real quick. Cause yeah. if you're not working and if your spouse dies, they don't keep getting a paycheck. Like there's nothing. And so yes, they contributed financially. And that was, you know, I'm very, very grateful and appreciative for that. But I think what it gave me more was permission to like send her to daycare so that I could get my stuff done and yeah, grieve. All right. Well, we have a lot of things to say and we are going to just take a little break and you're going to have to get the second half of this episode next week. <laughs>